Hello and welcome back to ASM Connected, the podcast brought to you by ASM Technologies. In this episode, our sales director, Ian Tomkinson, is joined by Alan Manville, who's the director of channel sales for EMEA for Nitro. Nitro is a software company that is used to create, edit, sign and secure PDF files and other digital documents. In this episode, Ian and Alan discuss the culture of Nitro, how it's been impacted by the global pandemic, and if a paperless office is something we can look forward to in the future. Let's get into the episode. Hi, Alan. Welcome to the ASM Connected podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. Obviously, Nitro is a company that we've worked together for for a number of years now on a large number of projects. I I thought it'd be great just to do a bit of a a walkthrough for any listeners there to see what Nitro is all about. And so I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Nitro was founded in Australia. Australia in 2005, I believe, launched in the US in 2008, and HQ is in San Francisco. Is that still HQ, or is it? Yes, it is, yeah. Yeah, that's spot on. All your information is correct, Ian, I'm pleased to say. Oh, Um, there we go, yeah, great. And I'm based Um, out of our London office, where there's a few of us, but the the majority of our EMEA folk are based out of Dublin. Okay, that's great. The, the fascinating thing when I was doing a bit of my research, and again, I'm going to hand over uh, to you a little bit, the journey in that period of time, the journey that Nitro has taken has been huge. And I believe now there's something like 2 million users across 144 countries. Yes, there are, which is an impressive number. And the nice thing about that, Ian, is it ranges from the small business users, consumers, right through to some of the largest companies in the world who are using the product. So it's been a real success story. The other piece probably to throw in here is that we actually went public. We floated on the Australian stock market at the back end of 2019, which has put us, we think, in a really great position now to to grow the company and take it on to the next stage. Yeah, and I suppose just uh, coming on to that in, in terms of working with companies pre-IPO and post-IPO, you, you do see a little bit of a shift in, I suppose, the, the culture there. There's no doubt we all look to do uh, some things that will help us to grow the business, grow the company. And, and of course, now we're beholden to shareholders. That will be the aim. But it was needed, I think, for Nitro who have become in the last few years a really serious piece of business software, as I mentioned, selling to large enterprise and corporate customers for us to really build on the success today and go to the next phase that the flotation was absolutely the right vehicle. And you do make a good point because the culture at Nitro, it's one of the reasons I joined a couple of years ago. It really has still got the feel about it of a small business, although we're a couple, over a couple of hundred people worldwide now and likely to be more next year because the opportunity for Nitro, and I know we'll come on to this, but the opportunity with the shift to digital documents means that we are in a position where we will need to grow the business. So being uh, in a position now where there's a bit more money in the bank and uh, we can do some of the things that we we maybe were held back on a little in, in the past. So yeah, we ho- hope we can retain that culture. We hope for partners and customers we're easy to do business with. That's one of the things we pride ourselves on. And we certainly pride ourselves on having a best of breed product. And we will look to build on that sort of legacy to make sure that we you know, only work with quality products and take the quality offering to, to market for our customers. 
Cool, yeah, and I, I, I absolutely see that culture. And again, it was when we were in, we had a meeting with some of your colleagues um, in the office in San Francisco. And the first, first thing that hits you is that amazing view from the office there over San Francisco Bay. And we were there with a meeting and I think I said, if Sam was around, it'd be great just to say hello again after meeting him before. And Sam sort of uh, came into the meeting room and I thought he was just popping in to say hello. And I think he spent the next two hours with us talking strategy and, and talking about different markets. And you can just see and, and feel that passion and that not a lot stereotypical corporate beast kind of uh, culture that's very much that culture that you're talking about and it, it is really refreshing to get that in, engagement so yeah now i can see why you were what why you were quite keen to work for the business which is fantastic to see yeah that that sounds like sam he's uh, he is a very charismatic character he's certainly an inspirational character and as you mentioned he's a founder of the business and 15 years on he's as passionate as ever i would say he certainly loves nothing more than being in front of customers and partners and what I like about not just Sam but the leadership team is there's a real need to understand or there's a there's a from a perspective of where we take the business there is a vision for that and watch this space in the next couple of years for Nitro we really think we have a great opportunity but yes Sam's all for leading from the front and I think your experience is in keeping with the way he he runs the business and the way his leadership team works if we can do things better we're always keen to understand that and keep making improvements, which I know is an easy thing to say, but I've actually seen that demonstrated. It's something we, from my perspective, need to do more of with the channel. We know it's a work in progress and, and there's more for us to do, but hopefully you and the customers will see those continued improvements around not just the product offerings, but around the way we work with, with our partners and with our customers. Okay, and just in terms of that 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 business model on Nitro, as long as I have known, has been a, a channel focus. Yes, absolutely, and and that was a commitment that was made some time ago. Obviously, the business originally started as essentially as an online business, and therefore for mm. small users, consumers, as you say, there is the ability still to buy online. But now, for business customers, it is a channel first model for us. So we're always looking to work through our partners. And the way we do that, we, as I mentioned earlier, we need to put some more around the programs to make sure that experience works properly. But we've chosen to work with less partners, but in a more focused way. So we don't work with, we do have a distribution model. And obviously that's where we work successfully with you guys. And then on top of that, we have some focused partners around the world that we spend time and effort with in making sure that they understand the proposition and therefore, they're able to present the proposition and, and service the customers in a way that's in keeping with that customer success that we want to uh, to continue building on. Oh, cool. Okay, I'll come back to some, some of that channel stuff in a bit to uh, ease the listeners into it and ourselves. I thought I'd ask some, some more sort of um, less heavy questions to, uh, to to move us in. What hobbies have you revived or, or got involved with that you probably wouldn't have done if it wasn't for lockdown? I've been lucky in a way because my um, my hobby outside of work, my primary hobby is is golf, actually. And obviously, there's been a couple of periods where we the courses have been closed and we haven't been able to play at all. But for the majority of the time, you know, we have been able to get out on the course as long as you maintain that social distancing. And that's been quite nice for me because I can assure you I need all the practice I can get. But it was a nice way to make sure you, you kept some normality 
got some fresh air and some exercise. So that's really what I've been doing. And then on top of that, as much as I do miss some of the business interaction, we Nitro made the decision very early, actually, not to go into offices. So we've all been working from home, working remotely. And of course, if you do that right, and I'm very fortunate in having a dedicated space as a home office, but if you do that right, it means that there's advantages around the work-life balance. So a bit more time with with the family, a bit more time taking part in some of their interests and getting out and doing exercise and stuff with them. So yes, trying to embrace it. And as tough as it's been for everybody, there's some positives, I think, if you've been in a fortunate position to uh, take advantage of some extra hours. Yeah, golf is one of those sports that, yeah, it's great. It does get you outside and get some exercise. Unfortunately, I play it really badly. And of course, from a business point of view, if for those golfers out there, anybody listening, yeah, always up for a, for a game of golf if we can fit one in. I might have to challenge you to that and uh, we'll have a wander around uh, one of the local courses because there are, there are some cracking courses around here. But speaking of, of getting in front of people and I, I know uh, when we've met most of the time in the past, we've met in central London, the offices there. Are you missing business travel or is it one of those things that you think actually I could do without it? There's always a bit of both in because... I think sometimes uh, most of us have experienced that travel that you'd rather not be doing and uh, or the regular commute sometimes for some folks. But for me, yeah, I, I have missed it. I've missed not the travel itself per se, but definitely the ability to be in London once or twice a week was typical for me. Obviously, I have an EMEA role, so a bit of travel into partner's offices typically around EMEA. And that's tough because obviously one of the things that we like to do in working with those focused partners that I mentioned is spend time with them and no substitute, therefore, for being in offices. So I definitely am missing that that side of it. As you mentioned, there's some advantages in not having to do it and what we're trying to do. I mean, thank goodness the technology's held up. I think for most people, we've seen the benefits of whether you're using Zoom or Teams or any other medium to, to communicate, we've been able to keep doing that. And that's been a, a real blessing. But yeah, looking forward to being able to meet up and play golf in, but also yeah. be back with partners in their offices in the not too distant future. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, this time of year, normally it's cold railway stations at five, six o'clock in the morning or getting up for the airport at half three, four o'clock to, to catch that sort of early morning flight. So you can be in the office in another region for nine, ten o'clock in the morning. And oddly enough, I do actually quite miss it at the time. You don't realize you just think, oh, God, here we go again. But yeah, no, I actually do miss it. And I suppose I I miss the, um, I suppose, the salesman's buzz or whatever you want to call it, that little bit of energy and that sort of adrenaline that kicks in before you go into a customer meeting and you, you go in, you do your bit, and then you come out and you're digesting that everything's been said. Whereas I think during lockdown on Teams and and, and sort of video calls, you, it's just back to back and it can yeah. become relentless, can't it? So I, I do think... Um, a little mix of the two would be nice. Well, I agree. And I, I think that would be my my hope. And I've spoken to a few people about this is that what we will do as a learning from the whole lockdown situation is hopefully be a little bit more mindful of the need to travel and balance it with the use of technology. Because certainly the, the fact that it stood up so well has been robust enough. I think there is, as you say, there's a bit of fatigue creeping in now. There's only so many video calls you can do in a day and, and still sound, you know, on, to, on top form. So, yeah, I agree. A, a mix of both would be nice. But but maybe as a 
as a population, we can start thinking about perhaps making better use of the technology. And, and certainly we see that as somewhere Nitro plays as well, but we can perhaps touch on that again before we finish. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Getting into sort of into that and uh, is obviously one of the main questions that, that I wanted to ask you is in lockdown, everybody was printing all the time. I, I would be guilty of it myself. And you'd, you'd print something off to go into a meeting with or whatever. The world has changed. I think I've printed about five pages in the last eight months and they're things where I've had to do it because they've had to have a wet signature on them or, or the partner hasn't had a um, the ability to send a, a digital signature for, for whatever reason. The paper-based office has been talked about for as uh, long, the, sorry, the paperless office has been talked about for a long time, as long as I can remember. Do you think it's finally going to actually potentially happen? We think it could. And some of the analysis that we're now able to do would support that because, yes, we're giving our age away a little bit here. I remember those first <laughs> conversations about the paperless office many years ago. Yes. And it always amazes me, and it certainly amazed me uh, since I've been at Nitro and I've been involved in essentially digital documents as a business, that there are still many of our customers, some of the biggest uh, companies in the world, are still doing that kind of print sign, red line, scan, email, dance. And there really is no need to. But from a perspective of trusting the technology and working with the technology, what, what's happened during the pandemic is that some people have been forced into that situation. We actually are able, through our analytics platform, to see how our customers use the technology. And we've seen a 52% decline in printing globally. And that's, that's real data. So that's not market analysts. That is Nitro customers across nearly 200 countries and, and many different verticals uh, who have reduced their printing significantly. And of course, we've seen then an uptick in digital workflows. In other words, more people working remotely because clearly in, a, in many cases they have to. But actually, we're hoping that the outcome of that will be that people will realise that is actually a more efficient way of working. So it's fantastic that we are reducing paper usage and saving some trees. That's certainly something, as a again, as a population and as a planet we need to do. But if you look at pure business efficiency around the ability to create a document, to work effectively with a document, and by that it means transfer it, do exactly what we suggested earlier, review a document, make changes, redline, and set up a, a workflow for signatures if approvals are needed and things like that is all now eminently possible. And uh, that's exactly where Nitro play. I'm not going to get into the full sales pitch, but that's what we are offering to customers in one product set. Very easy to use, very easy to demonstrate that value. And uh, customers are, are already seeing it. And therefore, for Nitro, certainly it's an opportunity now that we hope we can take advantage of going forward because people have realised they can use the technology effectively. Now it's a case of making sure the technology performs and, and does what it's designed to do and, and we keep making those improvements. So a long answer to your question, but yes, we, re we really do think that the chance to now move to the more paperless office and effective document workflows is, is absolutely possible. 
Okay. Interestingly, you bought the the environmental impact. Um, I actually receive a report for our business on a monthly basis of a summary of our print usage because obviously we're we're, we're trying to uh, make changes within our own business, different behaviour. So I just thought I'd run it to see what the difference was between before lockdown or early March through to now. And this report that I get is great. It actually gives you the number of trees that you are using and the the CO2 that you're using. So I'll just share some of this data with you. It, it will be interesting actually to share this w- with with potential customers because I, I was actually amazed at how, how different it is. So in March, the first week in March for this report is seven days. In that first week in March, ASM as a business, we printed something like two and a half thousand pages. You know, you think two and a half thousand is probably not that much. In terms of that is actually 28.16% of a tree. Yeah, that, that has produced just short of 29 kilos of CO2. And that is also the equivalent to 1,863 light bulbs being left on. Sorry, it's actually 1,000, good, yeah, yeah, sorry, 1,863 yeah. hours of a light bulb being on, that is. Being, yeah. So that was pre-March, so, so that was, yeah, pre-lockdown. So I had a look to see what it is now. <laughs> and this is the environmental impact. And in terms of, if you think of all those businesses across London and the impact, and if you look at the difference in print, it's going to have a huge impact. So. Yeah. The amount of trees that we are consuming now in the same seven-day period, so we've gone from 29% to 1.8%. Wow. So that's 29, nearly 30 kilos of CO2 down to two kilos. And that's the equivalent of 123 hours of a light bulb been on compared to 1,800. So that, that's a huge difference significant yeah i think it's really good to see it demonstrated in that way and it's something that perhaps we could we should put on our 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 own product roadmap to to demonstrate because it's not always appreciated the impact i don't think from an environmental point of view but yeah we do play strongly there with that paper reduction and i know people say yes people are printing at home but genuinely now i think everybody's print has reduced we know and i'll go back to the point that we're able to see this so that the statistics that i quoted earlier are real statistics and, and of course an individual customer using nitro can see that for themselves but yeah it's great to have it demonstrated in the real the real stats around the the impact on the environment and and of course um, you guys use nitro internally as well so hopefully we've we've contributed a bit to that as well ian and yeah we'll continue to make sure that your guys are hopefully happy using our technology yeah, the, the guys love it. I, I know our, our technical guys obviously are, are really impressed with, with how easy it was to implement. And I, I know obviously uh, the feedback for, from some of the larger projects that that, that, that we've worked on uh, together and some of the the, the larger estates that uh, have been delivered. I, I know that uh, once they start using Nitro, they don't go back. And that for me is the, is the big thing. And what, one of the things that obviously feeding off the back of that, there's not only the environmental impact, there's the efficiency 
But compared to any other product out there, the cost savings using Nitro are, are significant. And I think you'll be aware we've got the, we've, we're running a, a bit of a campaign and, and we're working around how we can deliver savings to customers, how we can innovate and how we can disrupt different areas of the market. And uh, one of the reasons that we absolutely love working with Nitro because it ticks all those boxes. Yeah, thank you for the comments, but it is something we pride ourselves on, that customer experience, and we wouldn't have, we have over, I think it's 65% of the uh, the Fortune 500, over half of the FTSE 250 companies now using Nitro. I mean, not wall-to-wall necessarily in, in all cases, but certainly once uh, they start to use the product, we typically see an expansion of usage, more users, which is great for us, and I think you only get that as a software company and software vendor if you have products that people find easy to use and, and easy to work with and that's something we will I think will always be as front of our kind of mantra around the value of nitro is it has to start with being a, an easy to use product and, and that's it's good to hear that you guys have had that experience as well I suppose uh, leading, obviously, your role is a mere wide. And obviously, you and I, we, we spoke many a time about the, the different cultural challenges of selling into different regions. And uh, I know we've had that conversation probably on a, a handful of occasions over the, the sort of last 18 months about some of the, the pros and cons of, of integrating with different regions. One of the questions, and I'm fascinated by international businesses, it's something that I've really got a passion for. I like its complexities and the fact that it's all very different and you're constantly learning and there's always new challenges. How would you describe your experience of selling an Australian-founded US-based business into European companies? Do you, do you see pushback or is it well-received? And are, I suppose, as Europeans, uh, particularly more on the continent, are they receptive to Silicon Valley-based tech companies? It, it does vary. It's a great question. It does vary across EMEA, which is where I'm spending my time. And I, I think we're sat here in the UK. I, I think certainly, as a, I guess there's a common language there. Usually our clients are in the mature markets, let's say, such as UK and across Central Europe, we have, we all have some very discerning clients, and they're really looking for best of breed technology. I, I think there's a lot of confidence in products that come from Silicon Valley. They've been doing it a long time, and a lot of the, if you like, the intellectual horsepower sits in that part of the world. So yeah, I, I don't see it as a challenge. There are certainly regional challenges where you get into uh, some of the commercial challenges you're, you're having around might be local rules, regulations, tax laws. But I think from a technology perspective, having worked for a number of US companies, it's a lot better now than it used to be. And I don't think there's a reluctance. I think it's absolutely about your ability to have a decent product, a really good product is the thing that helps you win. You have to be you know, commercially viable. You have to have competitive pricing models. And then, of course, from my perspective, we have to have some strong partnerships to make sure we can leverage it. I, I, going back to that channel first piece, what we're looking to do is not open an office in every country. We certainly don't need to do that. So what we're looking to do is work with the right partners who have the both the geographic coverage and the, the technological expertise and the right platforms to go and support their local markets. And that's very much how we plan to approach the markets where 
we're, we're not yet as present as the ones that, that we're probably uh, further ahead in. Yeah, hopefully that answers your question. But it, it, our partner first strategy is the way we, we look to address that, uh, those regional challenges. Yeah, and that makes sense. And that, that is the benefit of using channel against direct. I think um, if, you're di- if you're purely direct or, or have a heavy direct business, you've got to have th- that local feel to you because because even, I think even in the US, actually, Americans like dealing doing business with Americans. We all know that the French like doing business with the French and the Germans yeah. the same. I think it's probably less prominent in probably some of the Nordics regions but I, I do think that but some of those larger sort of central Europeans, they do doing business with their own. Yeah, that, that partner model really does help with that for, from what I can see. And uh, we, we've seen it for years and we've invested heavily uh, so that we can support our reseller partners in, in those areas by having our, our French and, and German teams, et cetera. So yeah, no, it's, no, we've touched on that on, on a number of occasions. But yeah, really important to have that coverage, particularly for a growing business, which I know you guys are. In terms of obviously what we've touched on the i suppose the lockdown the benefits and using a document management solution the words we haven't used yet which is often i i think overused and uh, i'll share some of that why i do th- uh, think it's overused obviously digital transformation is, is the the buzz that's been around for a while and i think we've all heard that till we're We've got a little bit bored of it to a certain degree, but it is happening. And I think that there's been a bigger shift to that, I suppose, that uh, holy grail of digital transformation for uh, than, than we've seen, I think, in the last six months and we've seen probably in the last 10 years. And I think that's accelerated it hugely. And I actually had a, a bit of a look on on your website before and fascinating that you'd got some data around digital transformation on there. And I think this is data that you're quoting, I think, from Fujitsu back in in 2017. And it, it was something like that 89% of businesses had taken steps to go down the digital transformation route. But only 8% of executives feel that they'd achieved it now that for me is fascinating off the back of this journey of this digital transformation and obviously disruptive vendors like nitro that are bringing innovation do you think that there is more of end customers are more open to disruptive technologies than that they've been previously because previously it's been if you're not a tier one vendor we're not having that conversation do you think that attitude has changed yes i do i i I think it depends very much on the addressable market and what i mean by that ian is you have to be able to let's just you know assume for this in this context this is around business software so being a disruptive vendor is one thing you still have to have a strong stable secure product offering because there's you're absolutely right i think one of the the challenges with digital transformation progress is actually for many CTOs, CIOs, is actually understanding, (laughs) measuring that progress. The way I like to explain Nitro is think very simply about the life of a document. And and therefore, by using our our tools to do everything from creation to full lifecycle management of the document, means you could demonstrate that digital transformation. We're not using paper anymore. We're not using these broken processes. We can see 
how the document's created, the life of the document, and we can manage it a lot more efficiently. To, to be able to demonstrate that, and then with our own analytics tool to actually give the customer the data is really welcomed by many many of our customer CTOs who say, fantastic, this is actually a measurable metric that we can, we can perform against. And then I think to the, to the second part of your, your question around the, the ways that we can continue to contribute, I, I think that's making sure that we don't go backwards and don't start undoing some of the good work that in many cases was forced upon people through lockdown, the remote working piece. But what's established, if you've established, therefore, a best practice around how to work with, with a digital document, as an example, when you are back in the office next year, don't go back to your old habits of printing something off, leaving it on a printer or on a scanner, leaving it on somebody's desk with a red line through it, scanning it, and, and then trying to attach it as an email. Take those process improvements and use them to make your business more effective. It's, it's great that we've got a, a sustainability message here, but actually from a you know, perspective of how customers have seen real-time advantages and savings in time and efficiency is something that we definitely hope our customers appreciate and take forward in their business. I think you're one of the sort of organisations that you say you can actually touch and feel that sort of digital transformation and it's what I'd probably call true digital transformation rather than some of the uh, the stuff that I have seen uh, branded around over the years which is, which is great to see in terms of I suppose that disruptive element I know uh, you know what one of the one of the a number of the key areas so obviously I, I know uh, Nitro from this an enterprise class product that can really make a difference in terms of how customers spend their money and how they they save money effectively you know pdf technology over the years and obviously e-signature has been around for a while but i know the the costs that the, that you guys are taking out of people that want to go to that model are significant and i think there was a correct me if i'm wrong and i remember there was an opportunity that we worked on for a large bank probably about six months ago and i think that i think it was tens of thousands of seats and I think it was for a department within the bank and wanted to use the e-signature aspect. And I think they were sending out something like 300,000 documents um, a year to mortgage applicants. And they needed us. They'd predominantly sent them by post before or they'd use a competitor's product for e-signature. And I think from memory... I think Nitro saved something like a million pounds um, over the licensing cost, but also that cost of the e-signature was a huge saving for them over those 300,000 uh, documents that they sent out. That, that That's massive, isn't it, to a business, no matter how big you are? Yeah, and we're very proud of our products, but the, the way we have built the business is we have always made sure that we've had a very uh, competitive price point. It, it's been the way that we've if you like, open the door with some of these bigger customers. And uh, I, I know the example you're talking about there, Ian, absolutely demonstrated a huge cost saving to the customer. We do compete, of course, with some very good vendors around PDF and e-signing. There are many offerings out there, but we, we feel when it comes to serious business use for larger customers, it's a much smaller field. But those respected competitors' products do tend to be more expensive and therefore to roll those out at scale or to deploy at scale 
sometimes means a customer, particularly in challenging economic times, looks at the cost of licensing or, as in some cases, cost per signature or a bundle of signatures and thinks, wow, that's that's potentially prohibiting for us to roll out at scale. And Nitro has been, we think, very well placed around the price point to make sure that, that customers can take advantage of really solid technology. As, as I mentioned, we make sure that it meets all the required security protocols and industry industry standards, but still at a price point that is typically saving a customer money off the bat. And then they get the additional benefit, of course, is once they can deploy at scale, they then start to see the additional cost reduction and efficiency of more people having access to the tools and technology. So it's both. We don't want to be just bracketed as a cheaper product because sometimes you won't get past the first few hurdles. We can be very competitive around for a customer who's using the technology at scale, but once they see, use and understand the benefits it's much more than that. So that, so I suppose the line is there's more to this than you think. As we've already touched on a couple of times, there's some really large customers uh, globally taking advantage of that right now. And I think moving forward, obviously, 2021 is all going to be about savings, I should think, across a lot of organizations. So it is a very good conversation to to be having with customers. Are you looking to save money? Because I I, I think efficiencies, savings, new ways of doing things is going to be absolutely crucial to to survival to some businesses in in 2021. Yeah, couldn't agree more, Ian. And and there's some very good technology out there that I'm sure you're aware of. And I've got friends in the industry who are representing maybe a really good solution but unless it's on that customer's priority list unless it's something that can you know be cost effective to deploy and bring benefits to the way they run their business i think it's going to be a tough year or two ahead because uh, you're right i think that the, the pandemic means that business priorities have changed and you need to have an offering that that ticks all the boxes for customers trying to do this stuff whether you're a uh, 25 user uh, media agency or one of the biggest banks um, or oil companies in the world there are benefits to doing this stuff doing this stuff right and being able to do it more cost effectively absolutely for, for me it, it's a, an absolute no-brainer and I, I remember having the conversation with with, with Adele when when you first guy guys first came on board and uh, I was just like why wouldn't what we want to to do that it just makes sense it's yeah it's a very it's an easy conversation to have with a customer it makes it a lot easier for all of us if you could have a i suppose a um, wish list for 2021 in terms of things to help you and your business or the growth of nitro what would it be uh, through my lens in, it would be about the partners so we have we've had some great feedback in my couple of years with nitro and we are now in a position where we can start building out that partner program, making sure that, that I mentioned earlier, we're easy to do business with. We still need to work hard at raising the profile. We are building a brand and a name, and we need to continue to do that. But to do this at scale, we, as I mentioned earlier, we need our partners. So I hope that we can continue to build on the existing partnerships and probably bring in a few new ones to help us increase the business in the year ahead. And then I guess from a personal perspective, you want friends and family and the people you work with to uh, stay healthy. 
and get back to being able to meet up and have that social interaction as well as being able to do business. So if we can get back to that sort of normality in the year ahead and uh, and continue to build out the relationship we have with our partners, then uh, I would personally be very happy with that. And to reduce your golf handicap. The two things may not go hand in hand, but uh, that would be perfect if I could do well, that. Yeah. Just to, to wrap things up now, this is going to be a, an interesting one. So we're, we're talking sport now. I know for your sins that you're a Liverpool fan. Yeah, big Liverpool fan. And it's broadly been a very good time to be a Liverpool fan. A few strange results. <laughs> but, but yes, uh, I think I'm just glad the football's back on as a football fan broadly. We had that initial lockdown period where we lost it for a little while. And certainly the UK, in terms of people's mental health and the ability to have, continue to have a bit of banter around the, the matches. Yeah, look, let's hope that's all back to normal as well. And that we can continue to enjoy the product back in the stadiums, not just on the TV in the near future. So a, a colleague of mine some, sometimes said does some of the podcasts and he normally puts somebody on the spot and asks for predictions around technology. I'm actually not going to ask you for a prediction technology. I'm going to ask you for a top four prediction for uh, for the end of the season. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to go for Liverpool winning it. That's not nailed on this year. I think it might be one of the most open Premier Leagues in the last few years. I, think- I, I do think Manchester City will be the next, next in line. Oh, and dear. probably then, for me, at this point in time, I would say Spurs and Chelsea would would make up the top four. Yep. Okay. Great. Thanks for that. And uh, again, thank you very much for your time today. That's been a great chat and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks to the ASM team. And yeah, we look forward to, to catching up again soon But and building on that partnership. So thanks for having me. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of ASM Connected. Over the next few weeks, we've got some more great guests joining us on the podcast, so make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss out. If you'd enjoyed this episode, then we'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review on your podcast app of choice. Finally, if you'd like to find out more about what we do here at ASM, head over to our website at asmtech.com. <laughs>